how you doing? This is Lance Hendrickson, and you're going to listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! It's Talkcast 114, and as Craig Ferguson says, Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital <laughs> is Reykjavik. Deep in Area 51... True! Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to guess what's in the box. Even I don't know what's in the box. Cameron Take- Diaz's head. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a break from my part-time job as quality inspector in the photo booth on Splash Mountain. I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, the Princess Jasmine of Snark, Kriana. <laughs> And from the stacks of her personal silence <laughs> in the dank dungeon meeting room, with a book she's quiet and there's a robot, it's Zombrarian. What's in the box, Joe? What's in the box? <laughs> I don't know what's in the box. The only person that knows is the gentleman in the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our own robot skeleton, Illustrator X. And Lance Henriksen wants me to tell you, hi, Mom, thanks for listening tonight. <laughs> And with him, of course, is his lovely ingenue, the uh, the one-armed bandit of the show, <laughs> <laughs> the dead redhead. Put your hand in the box. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> it sounds vaguely filthy, and I kind of like it. <laughs> I think it was vaguely doony. I think that's where she was going with it. Got it. I, I got, I got your back, dead redhead. That was a quote from Benny Gesserit. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us tonight is our guest uh, author, Rob Watts, author of the book Hold a Folk, which is a book set both in Iceland and Massachusetts, and musician and songwriter for the group The Traffic Lights, an Icelandic trance band whose music is integral to the book. How and this show tonight. Hey, yeah, hey everybody, how are you? <laughs> well, really glad to have you with us tonight. I've got to tell you, uh, we're going to talk about the book in the second half of the show. But I've got to tell you, it is one of the most engaging reads I've had in a long time. Really a lot of fun, Oh, man. wow. Thank you. Thanks a hey, lot. No problem. No problem. I really liked it. But we have other stuff we've got to get to first tonight. Uh, oh, Wake by Java isn't here tonight. I understand he's, uh, he's uh, on probation this week. <laughs> the Nymphomaniac Catch and Release Center in Orlando, Florida has actually let him out for a week. And uh, oh, Nymphomaniac, run for your wives. Be careful. But, <laughs> Look out. But what I would suggest, Kriana, is that you uh, yank on his cell phone and remind him he had a show to do tonight. <laughs> well, I just sent a message to his iPad. Oh. We'll see yeah, if he would, responds. That would be very vaguely hilarious. In any case, Dead Redhead, this yes. week's poll was all about me. Well, kind of, but we <laughs> the question we asked was we asked folks who their favorite sci-fi bald person was. Good guy. Good guy. Bald yes. go- good guy was. So our top three that we had, um, 
We had quite a few votes, actually, but our top three turned out to be number one, what a surprise. You know him as Jean-Luc, Captain Picard from Next Generation. Make it so! (laughs) Make it whatever the hell you want. (laughs) The second was Professor X, so we saw a little trend here starting. And then third was, believe it or not, everyone, our beloved dome. I am so, so I am so pleased. The, Actually, the question, yeah. So, so it begs wow. the question: If they make a movie about the dome, will they have to get Patrick Stewart to play him? Absolutely. Wait, did you guys see the viral video that was going around of Patrick Stewart like a few months? Well, maybe last summer, um, where he's at a comic con, and this guy proposed to his girlfriend at. Patrick Stewart's booth, and he, she says yes, and Patrick Stewart looks directly at the camera, smirks, and says, "Engage." <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. That is kind of fabulous, actually. I'm still trying to get over the fact that Dome, on your own poll, you came in third. <laughs> I know. I will very happily get behind <laughs> Patrick Stewart any day of the week. I'm not sure why they classified Dome as a good guy. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the odd thing, that I'm actually a good guy. But that's uh, fine. There we go. I guess it depends who you ask. Well, ev- evidently, there were enough people who put me into third place. So I was rather pleased with we that. We really want everybody to watch the next one. We'll have the next one up within the oh. next day or so. We X and Wait. I have come up with a really good one for New Year. Oh, my God. It's a really good question. Best use of retcon? I'm sorry? <laughs> best, best use of retcon? Nope. Nope. Oh, that's a good well, poll, though. That's not a bad one Think about every uh, one of the favorite activities of this staff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to talk about it. I think we're going to discuss it at length at that point. Ten Galactic Gargle Blaster! <laughs> but, uh, well, you're on the right track. So, what's in the news this week, folks? Not much. Well, see, I, I tend to disagree because it's a week It's a week where a lot of people are kind of looking back at uh, what's gone on in the past year. And the one, you know, there's there's a whole lot of incredibly boring, uh, remember, remember all the people that died stuff and remember all the really crappy movies that came out this... But the one that really caught my eye was uh, the uh, Live Science Journal's top ten science hard science journal retractions. <laughs> yeah, there are some pretty awesome retractions this year. But this year was a really, really good one. Uh, just to give you the top five, because there was always a crap load of good ones. Uh, number five was Los Angeles marijuana dispensaries leads to drop in crime. That's absolutely false. The Rand Corporation retracted its own report after realizing how sloppy their own data collection was. (laughs) Okay. Number four. The Proceedings of the National Academy of Silence published a claim that Butterfly Meets Worm falls in love and has caterpillars. Unfortunately, it's bullshit. How do we get some of this grant money? That's right. Number Number three, three, sir. Treat appendicitis with antibiotics, not surgery. What? The Journal of Gastrointestinal Surgery published an article by Indian researchers. 
Well, no way it actually works. With their own two-paragraph later letter defending the methodology, saying, uh, sorry. <laughs> Oops. Actually, to be fair, they do sometimes treat appendicitis with antibiotics before doing surgery. Because that's right. what they had to do for mine. But yeah. not in lieu of surgery. And occasionally surgery. they wash their hands, too. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Litter breeds crime and discrimination. The journal Science retracted the paper in November, realizing that the guy's name, who supposedly authored the article, had faked data in at least 30 other papers. <laughs> and you know, that may be something you want to check first next before time. Before you publish it. And but you know, a colleague and I tried to get something published, and they said we didn't have enough research. And it's like, really? Somebody like that gets in? Yeah. It's all oh. politics. That's all it is. Number one, what could it be? Chronic fatigue syndrome is caused by a virus. <laughs> oh, I heard about that one. <laughs> um, absolutely false. The disease isn't real. There is no retrovirus. There never was one. Science, uh, the, the... Well, there is a retrovirus. It's just not found in tissues of people who suffer from said <laughs> chronic... No, it is a real virus. It's found in monkeys. It just doesn't cause that. The virus is XMRV, was present in the blood of chronic fatigue syndrome patients, but had nothing to do with it. No, no, then they said it wasn't. They, oh, so they right. couldn't replicate it. Wasn't that the one where it ended up that someone was sabotaging their samples? Yes. Yeah, so... so I, of stolen not prop. good. Yep. No, what happened was... What happened was... One of the somebody, was fired from... Uh, f over charges of stolen property, unlawful taking of data, equipment, and supplies, and oh data manipulation. Yeah, what happened was somebody kept trying to do this experiment, kept getting weird, weird results, and they didn't believe them, went over to her boyfriend's lab, did it there, and got the results she expected, and realized then that someone was tampering with her samples. Wow. That's well, weird. Well, chalk that up to uh, Bush Jr.'s favorite quote, uh, facts are stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you go with the bush. There you go. <laughs> so that that was my that was my uh, my favorite article this week. It really was. Yeah, I want to talk about um, God. We should like get beset on the horn real fast for this. The news broke today that uh, the creator of Ghost Rider, yeah, seventies, yeah, he was suing uh, to get some royalties off the movies that are being made off of his scripts from the character he created for Marvel Comics back in the 70s. And the judge said, nope, there was a rubber stamp on the paycheck. It said, if you cash your paycheck, you forfeit all rights to Marvel Comics or anything you even thought of doing this week. Game over. And this is what Pesetta was talking about weeks and weeks yep. and weeks ago. Yep. So he gets nothing. That sucks. Wow, that's it, it incredible. Um, it just goes to show you, people, um, work for hire does it. Now, it's interesting, though, because I checked out uh, Bissett's website. Uh, we're talking about Steve Bissett, folks, by the way, if you didn't hear that episode. Uh, oh, creators, man, listen to it. Actually, the artist. you need to put his website into the uh, doc so I can put that up. Uh, you mean uh, srbissett.com? That would okay. be it. Okay. 
and he was talking today about how it's funny because a lot of the stuff that he did on his own as a self-publisher has completely collapsed. His partnerships with people like Alan Moore have completely collapsed, but the work for hire he did for DC Comics, he's still getting royalty checks for. <laughs> and he's it's like, scary. he says, how ironic is this? <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> Uh, we would just like to take a moment to say that Sci-Fi Saturday Night will accept your donations. <laughs> we, That's, we're, we're not too big for that. Totally not. When it comes to money, we're very small. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But we'd like to be bigger. We would, we would. Say, so, you know, we're, we're talking about how, uh, I don't know, this, this economy is kind of screwed with people. Uh, yes. And all that. Um, I was reading an article on uh, God. What was it? It's a, it's a blog called Super Punch, and there's this lovely artist. Her name is uh, Madeline Flores, and she's a very talented artist. And uh, she had a medical emergency that didn't count on her, and. It's got like tons and tons of medical bills and no medical insurance and no way to cover it because she works by herself. So if you go onto her website, they're selling a ton of cheap commissions right now uh, in order to help her pay for her medical bills. $10 for a watercolor, $2 for a digital. And I got to tell you, I mean, even if her art isn't what you would consider to be something that's your taste. Help out an artist who needs some help. I'm going to post the links to both the blog post and to her uh, commission website. And I'd like, you know, the listeners to just kind of take a look at it. Um, and there's this kind of ugly picture of her sitting in her uh, hospital Yeah, I'm looking at it in right now. Race. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she's it kind of really... Healthy. Yeah. So, you know, take a, take a look, and if you can, at this time, you know, of the year, uh, spare $2 or $10 to uh, just kind of take a look at it. Do so, please. It, it would help out uh, an artist who didn't deserve what happened to her get through this ugliness. Oh. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bring the show down to a low like that, but... It's going to happen right at Christmas. Uh, yeah. No. Mm. something we like to support. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It very much is. And uh, uh, I've, I've actually bought a print, so. I'm in for an Abe Sapien. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always in for an Abe Sapien. Yeah, who isn't? Where's a good Abe Sapien nice. when you need one right there? Right. Mm. Okay, well, uh, let's, let's, let's bring the show a little bit back upbeat if we could <laughs> okay i i can well, i can do it real quick speaking of speak well wait, wait let me let, let me go let me go someplace real quick florida oh Two wait 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 Joan, hey have you checked the commission page she's no longer accepting commissions at the moment oh you're kidding when did that happen uh does it have a date on it i don't think it has a date well, on it we just announced it. It obviously our listeners have just That's clearly, weird. clearly. She's still selling prints in the digital download comics. Oh my gosh, I might be in for this Maru print. That's adorable. There you go. 
But anyway, yeah, so watch watch the commission info page because she said the list is getting too long and she doesn't want everyone to have to wait for their paintings. Fair enough. Yeah, the digital, the digital commissions are still available. And uh, the digital comics of uh, Best of Collection of Black and White Comics. And, and the prints. Really, and the no, prints. Co no commissions, just the digital comic and the prints. Right. For now. Okay. So where did you want to so, go? Sorry. Dome, where That's, are we going? Okay. Two great tastes that taste great together. Ready for this? Pirates Bacon Penzance, and chocolate. Pirates of Penzance meets Firefly. Ghost stories what? in Disney World. I mean, what? Stanford.edu. Okay. Stanford University is doing a production. The Stanford Seven Yards. A, uh, one of their... Uh, uh, performance groups there is doing a a version of Pirates of Penzance inspired by Joss Whedon's Firefly. Oh my goodness! So <laughs> pirates with wow. spaceships and cows. Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. Now I've got to tell you that's got to be probably one of the coolest ways of doing it I've ever thought of. Uh, I, I'm. There are performances are. January 20th through the 28th, if you are in, this, in or near the Stanford campus, uh, I'm going to post a link to their uh, performance page so that let you can take a look. at. Yeah, somebody, I would love for somebody to let us know how it, how it goes. I, I would think it's going to be the very model of a modern college theater. Oh... <laughs> I'd smack you, but it would hurt right now. <laughs> <laughs> it would be worth Damn it, dead yeah. redhead! <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't move my arm in that direction. I forgive you this time. I, I gotta say, one of my favorite comments over the Christmas uh, last week was uh, a friend of mine going, Oh my God, there's a Firefly marathon opposite a Doctor Who marathon. Why do I have to leave and go see my relatives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Who thought of that one? Well, you know, it, that's kind of weird because um, the Doctor Who Christmas special aired a couple of days back. Oh, wow, Dome. Maybe they should have advertised for it. <laughs> you get a, you get a segue <laughs> noise for that. Go oh, you. You know, where's my segue noise? I just did it. Nobody heard it? Nobody heard it? All right, all right, all right. You know what? You know what? No more imitating the sound effects. There we go. Jeez. That was my okay. cat. The Doctor, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> that was your cat. Wolfie, stop it. The Doctor, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was this year's Christmas special, failed. Hit a record low number of viewers. Wow. 8.9 million. Time for a new Doctor? Maybe. Time for new companions? No. Yeah. Yo, oh, yeah, definitely time for new companions. Well, maybe. <laughs> They've had a good run. Amy's Legs had a great run. You, you've they had... Did. Sweetie, you've come a long way. <laughs> the best Christmas outing that he's had in his recent incarnation was Voyage of the Damned with Kylie Minogue. That was so good. Well, yeah. Wait, that was not the current incarnation. That was the last Doctor. Well, that's what I'm, well current, by current incarnation, we mean since Christopher Eccleston. By the way, I don't have this on, on the list here, but 
do folks know that they're actually doing I, I just saw this today on CNN because since I'm not allowed to move I like get stuck in front of the TV and don't do anything all day um, they're actually having two cruises that will follow the Titanic let me repeat that what <laughs> they're having two cruises one of which is sold out at start that started at six thousand dollars okay let's think about this big luxury liners two of them that Can are going to the theme from gilligan's island please <laughs> the exact route of the titanic because that sounds like a brilliant idea oh. morbid not like that they're serving them the same food that and, they serve. Oh, at what shit. point will they be hitting the iceberg? I know! <laughs> oh. and, and who are, how are they going to pick who dies? Oh my god, James Cameron, I blame you. <laughs> I'll never let go! Uh, you're getting kind of gross now. I guess I'll let go. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I'm like, but you know, why would you tempt fate that way, just in case? Because <laughs> you can make money off it, obviously. Evidently. Well, yeah. Oh and you know Lord. that everybody on that ship is going to be like, we're going to watch the Titanic movie again, right? Oh, my God. Oh! If a week by Java was here, he'd totally be sucking Leonardo DiCaprio, but, um... <laughs> and, and, uh, I don't know what that the scream was you just did, but take a loop of that. <laughs> don't go ahead. I give you permission. And she knows, I do, that there's a Grand Durant fan who would probably be on that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, no, that's not. She's not a Titanic person. She saw it like fifty times. Did she? Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> well, was she twelve when it came out? Because that's the only way that's okay. Um, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, see, because I was, and I still only saw it the one time. Oh, I, I'm going to quote my grandmother in this. How many times is Hollywood going to drown those people? <laughs> you know what? Spoiler alert. It sinks! <laughs> oh, Lord. Address your emails to dome <laughs> at cyphersnitty.com. Uh, no, address your emails to anybody but dome. I stayed out of this one. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a new Doctor Who game as well. Get out. Yeah, a new MMO game called, uh, what is it, Worlds in Time. It's launched in beta. It's available now oh. for oh, free. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm taking full advantage of the fact that Dead Redhead cannot hit me with this ah, It's not beta max. Oh, oh Illustrator X. Headroom. <laughs> Uh, okay, dead, a- dead redhead, do you have like a stick handy? She's like, <laughs> damn it! That's not helpful. Tap that all you want. Pretend you're hitting me. You're not doing it. Okay, BBC says Doctor Who Worlds in Time is designed for devotees of the show, looking for a quick pick-up and play game, browser-based. Uh, run right off their website free and endless possible character combinations to create their avatars. Players can choose among four different races. This sounds like fun, to be honest with you. Races? What if you uh, want to be Captain Jack? Can you be the Ood? 
Yes, the Ood are there. Oh, awesome! I love the Ood. The thing's got to carry that ball around. Uh, sure, you, you probably can't have an offhand weapon if you're the Ood. <laughs> it's really funny because on the uh, on the link that I'm going to post, there's a, a YouTube... Uh, the YouTubes? I love the YouTubes. Oh, would you shut the hell They're up? They're so much there's, better than the VTubes. There's a YouTube clip from BBC about DrWhoIt.com, which is where this lies. And the the one reference to it is, folks of a science fiction persuasion. Okay, stop. That was just so godly. Good lord. Persuasion? Good folks lord. of a science fiction... Oh, I was talking about your British accent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, you just snarked off your ass tonight, aren't you? <laughs> I missed you guys last week. Yeah, well, right now, Worlds in Time is available free on the website in beta. God knows what it's going to be when it goes out in full. But right now, it's free. So yeah, I'll post uh, the link. There's a, there's a leather e-reader cover made up like the never-ending story, too. Wow, that was like the worst segue I have ever heard. Yeah, no, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I'll top it. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Have faith, Rihanna. I'm sorry, I don't mean to underestimate you, <laughs> I do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> alright, 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 I've got a good one. There's no segue from that. How do you segue from, so there's an e-reader cover, except for, this news is going to blow your fucking mind. Oh, okay. No, not too much of a build-up there. <laughs> so the first trailer for Peter Jackson's The Hobbit came out, and it will blow your fucking mind. Why will it? It was whatever. Good. You know. First of all, it's fucking gorgeous, which is half the battle. Second, it is pretty beautiful. Second of all, the dwarves aren't silly anymore, which was pretty much a requirement of this movie. If the dwarves continued to be super silly, like it was just going to be a slapstick movie, and like it would. Lose all of the majesty. You mean it would have been like the Three Stooges go to Mordor? (laughs) One does not simply take Cat into Mordor. (laughs) Okay, it would be just like that. It would be like a meme. Well, I mean, it's funny because it's a... Well, actually, this analogy will mean nothing to you, Kriana, but the the trailer, it's like Jethro Tull meets Yes in a movie. (laughs) Actually... Why would that mean nothing to me? I know both Jethro Tull and Yes. Personally. Oh, yeah. I I had brunch with them today. What? (laughs) I had brunch with them today. brunch with them? Ian Anderson for me. No, Jethro Tull is the band with the flute, right? Yes. And I love Yes. I I listen to Yes all the time. It is the band with the flute. (laughs) You know that one band with the flute, yeah. No, people tell me I should like them all the time. You um, know, and and it's it's amazing because it's such a pretty uh, trailer. It almost looks like Iceland. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> you were right. Uh, you you were right. You were totally right. No, wait, okay, but the dwarves, not only are they not silly, not only is it gorgeous, but then they start singing, and it's not weird or awkward like you think it would be. It's freaking gorgeous and speaking of freaking gorgeous music yeah and speaking of music wait wait, let me turn that back on and and everything all right sorry oh it's 8 32 go me that's what i'm trying to say oh go you sir x 
Can I just leave? Can I do the honors? Sure. Can I just leave? Hey, Rob. How are you? Hey, Dome. How's it going? Oh God! We didn't scare his ass off. I'm so pleased with that. No, I am here clinging on to your every word. Believe me. I don't know how the hell you could do that, but that's fine. That makes one of you. Listen, I warned you two and a half months ago that I had this dumbass weird show, and I was going to get you on, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> you did. You did. You, well, you, you, you were serious. It was a dumbass weird show. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, you were not lying to me. <laughs> look, the underlying aspect of the show is, is cool shit we like. Okay? Yeah. And I got I to gotta tell you, um, Holder Folk, which is the first book in a trilogy... Also the name of his CD. And also the name of the CD by uh, the Traffic Lights is uh, really cool shit. I, I'm, um, I was blown away, man. Totally blown away and pissed off at the ending. <laughs> I, I think that's what we were supposed to be. No spoilers! Well, I appreciate all of that, actually. <laughs> no spoilers. No, I'm definitely not going to spoil it. So is this book available in electronic format anywhere? Uh, no, not currently, because um, it, for a couple of reasons. It, it will be eventually, put it that way. Darn it, I'm allergic to paper. Uh, <laughs> see? The, oh, stop. I'm trying to get you people to cross over to the dark side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm, I'm such a purist, you know, with uh, physical media formats and everything that I, I, I was kind of, I just insisted on releasing this as, you know, physical product first uh, in the limited run, which um, is 250 copies, both the book and the CD. And I just wanted to see how that went first with, um, you know, and the response has been great. I mean, the sales have been pretty impressive considering I'm doing this all independently. So it's just one of those things where I just really wanted the book to be out there in physical form because I just, I love books, you know, every, everything as far as books, music, I, I love the whole packaging still. And I know digital media, it has its place in everything, but I guess you could say I'm kind of kicking and screaming into that next phase, so to speak. So Rob, the, so, one of the, one of the yeah. first questions I have for you is this first package consists actually of two pieces. It consists of the book itself and a companion mm -hmm. audio disc by a, a, a band called The Traffic Lights, which appears prominently in the book. Yes. Is yeah, each of the succeeding yeah. is each of the succeeding three books in, in the remainder of the series gonna have its own companion audio piece? Yes, it will. Well actually yeah, there'll be there'll be three more books after this one, actually. Right. So it'll be four altogether. And they're all gonna consist of um, their own musical accompaniments as well. That's fucking awesome. I've got to tell you, that is just awesome. Because, oh, you know, the, thank you. the first time I read the book, I read the book, then I listened to the music. Then the second time, I read the book in one entire reading while the CD looped. And really? it was oh. it was the freakiest damn thing I've ever had happen since I watched Dark Side of the... Uh, Wizard of Oz while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we've all done it one time or another. 
Yeah, well, you know, actually, it's weird you mentioned Dark Side of the Moon because, and I no way claim to have made anything as cool as Dark Side of the Moon, but that was always kind of in the back of my mind. I said, you know, I just want to make my own fictional Icelandic band Dark Side of the Moon type of thing. Just the more atmospheric music that kind of just takes you somewhere. Um, so I guess that's really the only comparison to something as great as Dark Side. But that that was pretty much my intent, just to kind of enhance the story somewhat. Um, I, I mean, actually, I guess the music is pretty much the soundtrack to page, like, 7 to 31. Right, right, um, right, right, the right. Story. The concert story, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it could have something to do with the book, or maybe not. Maybe it's just, you know, like you said, it's, it's a good accompaniment while you're reading it. It can stand alone as well, you know really need the book or anything that kind of understand it. It's just something, well, I mean, just a it, little extra to give it more life. It's odd because, you know, the story is set both in, in Reykjavik and the, uh, the outskirts of Reykjavik in Iceland, and then mm-hmm. also set in uh, Eastern Massachusetts, mm-hmm. both of which get incredibly creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Boston well, just it, gets incredibly creepy after a while. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because uh, when I started writing this, I knew I wanted to do just, I started with the idea of just a good old-fashioned ghost story. But, of course, you know, all of us, I'm sure we can all agree, we've all read about a thousand variations of ghost stories and paranormal and and blah, 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 so... I just kind of figured, all right, how can I make this different than something else that's out there? And I traveled extensively back and forth from Iceland, and I got familiar with their folklore over there, which is pretty fascinating. And I said, well, you know, maybe, I guess that's the angle. You know, that's that's the um, the key to this, to make it different and just unique. So, I mean, the Icelandic landscape is just beautiful. Um, but it can also be very creepy, especially to, you know, American travelers who have never been over there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, like, darkness and empty lava fields and mountainous areas and everything. I mean, it, it can look pretty desolate. It could be a little overwhelming to people. So I just kind of took that setting and then kind of brought it back here to New England, which, of course can be very scary at times, especially this time of year, depending on where you are. Can you explain to our uh, listeners what Holder Folk are? Holder Folk is, well, it translates to hidden people. And what they believe, well, not not everybody in Iceland, but it's a wide enough belief over there in in their folklore that... um, there's these kind of hidden elements in this parallel universe that they live amongst out there, consisting of, you know, trolls, elves, gnomes, um, pretty much people you don't want to cross. Because um, they will fuck they, you up. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I mean, when I, when I was over there one time, I was, you know, when I was kind of introduced to that whole mythology over there. I mean, there's really like some sacred areas over there 
I mean, you'll you'll be driving along a road, and all of a sudden it'll just divert to the right for no apparent reason, and then go back to the direction you were, and that's because there are hidden people dwellings in those rocks, and they're not to be disturbed. So, I mean, we're talking about government construction jobs that have intentionally avoided those areas in construction. They're not messing around. And they're dead serious. That's like in Ireland where they'll, like, change um, runway strips for airlines. Right. It's exactly Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, it, and it's, I mean, I understand. It could definitely sound silly, you know, to explain this to somebody for the first time or whatever, but, um, you know, popular consensus over there is that, that they either do believe it or whether they believe it or not, they're not going to mess with it, put it that way. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this. I mean, um, uh, Western culture is basically... Ba- we all are grown up with uh, the Germanic and and the English um, concepts of the the wee folk and so forth. I mean, you know, Grimm and Once Upon a Time right now are very popular fables and all. It's all based on pretty much the whole Germanic thing. How does Iceland's uh, heritage of storytelling differ from that? Um, that's that's a good question. I mean. Um. Wow. Yeah, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> and he never wrote again. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go someplace else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> see, seeing as we 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 don't just sit and think about this for way too long, not to worry about it. Why? Why is it that that your your two main characters are kind of you know drunken reveling idiots? Um, well, we certainly can relate to those type of people now, can't we? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know, I, as, as I'm reading it, I'm going, wow, you ass. You drank yeah. too much and you're acting like a fucking idiot. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Well, and it's you holidays. Know, isn't that what all pretty much horrific events come down to is just, you know, two people that have a little bit too much to drink. You know, anything could happen from there. That's called the so, hangover, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, one of those things where I, I kind of said to myself, like, you go a hundred different ways on how somebody could be idiotic and kind of, you know, put this whole thing into play. So, well, alcohol's the good standby. You know, everybody can relate to those type of people. Yes, uh, we can. Here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night. <laughs> we do not endorse it, but we're well aware of it. We kind of endorse it. But, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, you, your, your two main characters, Jeffrey and Susan, spend time mm-hmm. alternately arguing with each other about which one believes what the least. <laughs> Does that make any yeah. sense? You know what I'm saying? No, it does. Yeah, it's. I, I think um, that's just pretty much to kind of just play with the reader's mind. You know, it's like, well, who's who's the voice of reason in the story, really? And I mean, I guess without giving it away, that probably nobody. I mean, exactly. just one person. 
totally right. over the yeah. other. And as, as it turns out, really, there, there seems to be no voice of reason at the moment <laughs> on this at all. Now, aside from the Iceland setting, you you set uh, your setting uh, your second setting. Actually, I don't know which is the predominant setting at this point. They're both kind of equally important uh, in Eastern Massachusetts, and one of them is a house overlooking Cedar Grove Cemetery in Massachusetts. Tell us why why you chose that, and what kind of relevance does that have to to you and to this story in particular? Well, um, initially when I started writing this, I, I kind of, I was trying to think of just the perfect setting that is easily relatable to most people. I mean, I, I certainly didn't want to set it, you know, being from Boston, I really didn't want to set the story in Boston proper. Um, you know, I, I needed a, a more kind of secluded setting and whatnot, and some something that just was a little bit creepier. So just thinking about it, while I was writing it, I just thought of Cedar Grove, and that's pretty much where I grew up um, in, in Boston, in the Boston area. And so kind of setting the book and, and, the, and the series, I kind of just came, I, I just wanted to use Cedar Grove. Um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much primarily a fictional town, so to say, Cedar Grove, Massachusetts. Um, I, I use the name and I use a lot of the landmarks in actual Cedar Grove that kind of meant a lot to me growing up in life and everything, like the cemetery, um, like the, the trolley system. Oh, that, isn't that, that the creepiest thing in the world? Yeah. <laughs> There's the only cemetery in the United States that has a trolley running through the center of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, it is true. I, I think it was actually on Ripley's Believe It or Not years ago. And um, I don't know if it was in the Guinness Book of World Records. That's what I was told. But I know it's in some record books of significance. That um, Yeah, it's the only trolley that passes through uh, an actual cemetery. And that that's actually going to be more prominent in future stories that come out that that's actually going to tie into all of them so um i just kind of made mere mention of it in this story but it's actually going to play a, a more significant role that, that whole thing i don't i don't think that you made mere mention of it I, to be honest with you the whole thing captivated the crap out of me is as from the minute you brought it up in in the book because of uh uh well the prominence of the house to the cemetery number one but also the the, and and this is I think where where you did a terrific job as a writer, the the descriptive nature when you're talking about the uh, lava fields in Iceland was as clean and as crisp and as visually enticing as the description of the cemetery in Massachusetts. Oh, thank you very much. It really, really was. It, it was totally engaging to the reader, I think. And I really think that, you know, it, it's one of those things that, that captures you very quickly. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I mean, it's, I really kind of just, when I was writing this, just really brought myself back to Iceland. I mean, I had been there enough times, but it was just, in writing it, I, I really was just 
kind of constantly reminding in my head, I said, you know, how did you feel when you were walking through those areas, um, especially way out in the out- outskirts where there's, you know, literally a lot of nothing but lava fields and geysers and everything. And, and like I said, it can be both, you know, breathtaking and um, could be off-putting <laughs> to people who aren't used to that kind of desolation. Um, so, and the same thing goes for the cemetery and the Cedar Grove in general. I, I, I think just, I pretty much, I'm not good at really writing about fictional places where I'm making 100% of it up in my mind. I really want to bring something that, you know, of, of just personal experience into my story so I can kind of give it that, that life and that descriptiveness into the story. Uh, which yeah, I'm glad um, it worked for you. I'm glad when you were reading it, you could actually kind of visualize what I was writing um, and kind of paint a good picture in your mind as you were reading it as well. So we're around 20 pages into the book. We're introduced to this um, Scandinavian trans band. If, mm-hmm. That's probably a bad way to put it. I don't know a better way to put it. Uh, yeah, called good, good call. The traffic lights, and mm-hmm. they're met through a friend of an acquaintance of this couple that's on a honeymoon, and the next thing you know, Jeffrey and Susan are at this concert and enjoying themselves, and I listened to the music on the CD, and where did that come from? I mean, wh- <laughs> I'm so, sorry, but I mean, that where did- myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. I mean. Um, well, like I was saying earlier, I, I just really didn't want to just release a book. I, I kind of wanted to make it this, um, richer experience, I guess you could say. Um, and just to kind of, you know, give it a little bit more uniqueness and everything. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of Icelandic music. I've been exposed to it a lot over in Iceland and I love, their whole music scene in general. So I guess I just kind of wanted to maybe put that in the people's heads as well, you know, just like, I don't know, maybe someone will, I mean, this isn't really an Icelandic band. I mean, it's just fictional. It's me um, making the music and everything. But, you know, I just kind of figured people might be interested in, searching on their own, oh, gee, what's going on over in Iceland, you know, their the music, and, you know, maybe some people will appreciate it the way I do. But uh, just in coming up with this music, uh, I just kind of put together this kind of quirky, fictional band, uh, because they are, a lot of their music over there is just pretty quirky, not a lot of sense to it, it's just fun. Um, and... I just, you know, I kind of came up with the name, the traffic lights. I just, I I was probably just driving one day and that popped in my head and I said, oh, well, you know, I'll just make a fictional band called the traffic lights because that kind of has that like quirky synth pop name, you know, sound to it. And I'll just uh, make my own characters for the disc and give them all like, you know, green, yellow and red shirts like traffic lights and (laughs) kind of let it take a life of its own. Um, so and I, and I guess it's worked pretty well because it's just like you said it just kind of gives the story just a little bit more depth a little bit more dimension, um, 
you know, and I hope to achieve that with the rest of the books as well, with, um, you know, the music I put out with them, as, you know, along with the books. Uh, and who, who worked just, on the... Oh, go ahead, X. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, you know, I was just really happy to hear something coming out of this area that, um, that wasn't Cookie Monster Metal. Because there's so many Scandinavian bands, it's just it's like oh for goodness sakes. Because I remember when the Sugar Cubes broke back in the late '80s, and there's an article saying that yeah, like about one out of every ten people in Iceland is in a band. And I was like, wow, I've got to get over there and check out the scene. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's I'm glad to hear really it's still true. very diverse and and upbeat. Yeah, it, I mean it's just it's fun all around. I mean, and, and it is true. I mean. Th- everybody's into music over there in one form or another. And if they're not musicians, then they're all writers or, you know, poets. Or, uh, I mean, the, the art scene over there is, is pretty prominent amongst them all. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty inspiring over there as well. I mean, you just, you know, see the way they go about, you know, releasing music or, or whatever, um, a lot of them, they have no problem with just hand-making their own albums. I mean, you can go into a record store over there and, and buy something that was hand-stitched, you know, like the, the packaging, oh. like uh, rare, like 100 copies only, which I'm lucky enough to have actually from a musician over there that was, you know, literally, you know, stitched with thread and, and cardboard and, and whatnot. And I just love that whole thing. I mean, that's kind of what I want to bring with the um, with these books, you know, maybe the next couple, I, I'd maybe like to go that route and just kind of give it that real independent spirit and feel to well, releasing books on my own and music. Well, um, I guess that's what you're doing with, the, was it, your books, uh, your four books will only be limited to 250 copies each, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then will be printed um, as an anthology at the end. Correct. Um, what I'm going to end up doing is taking the four um, standalone stories that are going to be released, and they're all going to be combined with a few more shorter stories, and it's all going to tie in seamlessly. So all these characters and settings, it's actually going to just build one full story um, of just, you know, it's pretty much like, just horrific events. <laughs> it's just unfortunate <laughs> beings in Cedar Grove that, you know, just, um, I'm just kind of in picture, you know, envisioning a, a month's worth of just unfortunate circumstances for people. <laughs> um, and I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, even I don't know how it's going to end because I'm in the process of writing it all, but um, it's fun to release some, you know, the way I'm doing, just kind of one at a time and get people interested, get people familiar with the settings and the characters and, you know, having them hate me because I leave cliffhanger endings at the end of them. Like me. Um, Thank you. Yeah, totally. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, if you guys are, if our listeners are going to be at Boston Comic Con, uh, Rob is going to be there. And with guess, books, I hope. With books, I would hope. Yes, absolutely. With and books. CDs yeah. and all that sort of good stuff. All and, that good stuff. And if you drop <laughs> by our booth, we will walk you to him because this is a series that, mark my words, is well worth the effort, well worth the money. It's really crafted with love and attention to detail, and it takes you into into a culture that you've 
not had much contact with before and kind of bridges the gap between the American and the Icelandic culture in a very, very odd and wonderful way. It's something you really enjoy. Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I had a great time. You guys are awesome. Cool, thanks. Oh, thank oh, well, he says this after, after the show, show, for the record. After the show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music that we opened with at the beginning of the show was from the traffic lights, and now as we head into the coming up calendar... Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm not on the ball at all, am I? It's time to bring in our new end music, also from the traffic lights. Kriana? It, it's going. It's gone. It's... X, don't be so snarky. Oh my god. I know. Go ahead, it's X. subtle. Part. Okay, next week, filmmaker David Johnson on his documentary film, Edgar's Comics, the true story of the greatest comic book collection of all time. Oh, hot damn, I can't wait for that. Oh, me too. And on January 14th, Judas Priest, Risa Williams returns with the next installment of the Dragon Slayer series, The Iron Maiden. <laughs> and on January 28th, it's actor Doug Jones. Woo! I, I know! He's Abe Sapien. He's I fawn. love Abe Sapien! <laughs> he's the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth, and now he's a mime! <laughs> we'll get a lot of dialogue out of him for that show. I know! Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Holder Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome? I want to thank Rob for joining us tonight. It's been an interesting hour or so. Actually, it's been a little more than an hour. And I want to thank uh, the Traffic Lights for giving us uh, the first new music we've had on the show in ooh, quite a while. <laughs> in 114 episodes. In 114 episodes is about <laughs> goddamn time we changed it. <laughs> I want to thank the cast for joining us tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. What? What? Thank you. And Grammar Girls on Brarian. Thank you, sweetie. Good night. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and that one-armed bandito of ours, the Dead Redhead. Oh, I think we're moving to Reykjavik. My arm and I will be going to bed soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, join us next week, and thanks for listening, everybody. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. No problem.